Hey, I want you to get ready to receive from God today. God has something special for you. So just take about 15 seconds to introspect, to ask God to speak to your heart this morning, things that he has specifically for you. Take that moment right now. Oh, Father, by the power of your Spirit, may your Holy Spirit descend upon this place, soften our hearts, open our spiritual ears and eyes that we hear today from our God things that you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we read the Word of God together. We're in Matthew chapter 15, 1 through 20, dealing with legalists. Jesus is going to deal with the Pharisees and the scribes, and he's going to teach us how to deal with legalists. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father nor mother. Thus you have made a commandment of you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, and their hearts far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, Are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. This is the word of God. Our Father, we give you thanks for your word. And now we ask you to help us to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. As you know, the theme of Matthew is Jesus is what? He's the coming king. The king is coming. And we are learning in the book of Matthew how to live as kingdom of God people in an evil world that is running from God. We have gone through the disciples are being in Jesus school. They're going to be in Jesus school for three and a half years, and they're learning how to do the work of Jesus once Jesus is gone. Now, by extension, we are learning to do the work of Jesus. He has been gone. He's given us his spirit, and the commandment is for us to go out and finish and complete the work that he has given us to do during our epoch of time that we're here. Now, Jesus has taught his disciples that he is the Messiah. He's done incredible miracles, healed the blind, Healed the, healed the deaf, healed the lame, he raised the dead. He did all kinds of miracles to demonstrate he was the Messiah, but he did a couple great miracles last week. 
in the week before, the feeding of the 5,000, which was really feeding of the 20,000, with five loaves and two fishes. This is an amazing accomplishment by 12 guys, and the fish and the loaves just kept being reproduced as they distributed to all the people, and the disciples' minds, they were just blown away. Four of the Gospels mentioned this miracle, and then Jesus walked on water next to get away from the crowds. And when he walks on water, there's a storm. The disciples are rowing to try to make progress to go where Jesus told them to go. And they're not making much progress. Jesus walks on the water. They think they see a ghost. And they're scared to death. And then Jesus says to them to calm them like he often does in our lives when we're having tribulation and trauma in our lives. Be of good cheer. It is I. Be of good cheer. It is I. I am with you. And then Peter says, can I come out on the water? And Jesus says, come. And lo and behold, crazy Peter jumps into the water, and he actually starts to walk on water. And when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And then Jesus grabbed him. Talk about a strong guy. Jesus grabs Peter, drags him up, and I'm just picturing this. It doesn't say this in the text, but he grabs Peter and then throws Peter into the boat. (laughs) Peter takes a landing into the boat, and Jesus gets in the boat, And the greatest miracle of all in that whole thing, there's a lot of things going on here, but in John it says the boat was immediately at shore. And the disciples look at Jesus and they realize finally who is in the boat with them. And they say these words, you are the son of God. And I can tell you it is a seminal moment in a human's life when they realize that Jesus Christ is the son of God. We owe him our dedication. We owe him our loyalty. And by living our life for him, we demonstrate loyalty to him. Now, this week, we're going to be talking about the legalists. They're going to be asking questions of Jesus. We're going to pick up our teaching in chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. Now, notice the attitude. There's always an attitude that these guys bring. Now, just a little bit of background before we get into this. The Galilean Pharisees had confronted Jesus and in Matthew chapter 12, for casting out a demon in the, in the power of Beelzebub. They accused him of doing it in the power of Satan. This was blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. This was the last, last chance for the Pharisees to turn. And Jesus says, okay, now you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit. The Jewish nation's going to be put on hold, and God will start a new entity called the church, and the church will be responsible for disseminating the information about the true God And then God will reestablish his connection with the Jewish nation in the seven-year tribulation period. That's the whole purpose for the tribulation. The seven-year tribulation period is for the nation of Israel to finally open their eyes and realize who the Messiah is. So now the honchos from Jerusalem have been contacted by the Galilean Pharisees, and now the big chief Pharisees are going to address Jesus face-to-face. And that confrontation comes right now. When the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, why do your disciples transgress the the tradition of the elders? And I can just see it with a sneer. For they do not wash their hands when they eat their bread. Why are you doing this? The tradition of the elders, that's what you want to focus on. And Jesus is going to address them in just a second. But when you think of a Pharisee, I don't know what you think of, but think rigid Think controlling, think legalist. Now, we have a picture of a Pharisee here. You've seen this guy before. They're always pointing at you, 
telling you what to do, wanting to control your life, and that sort of thing. Again, the Pharisees were dispatched from Jerusalem. When, when anyone claimed to be the Messiah, they, they got dispatched from Jerusalem to examine whether there was a Messiah. There's all kinds of people claiming to be Messiah at the times of Jesus. And, I, and, there, and I'm going to mention this in just a second. There's people today that claim that same thing. But I want you to notice that they had a little trip to do. So every time Jesus did a miracle or did something, these guys go from Jerusalem on the map here up to Galilee. Now, this is, this is not supposed to be there. He's a demon fly, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, they take the trip up to, up to Galilee. This is not an easy trip, and they must be going, oh, no, another, another Messiah wannabe. But Jesus was the real Messiah. He's the real one that came into the world. But folks, today there's many claim to be the Messiah. And remember this, all are pathetic shams. There's actually a guy in Rye Christo, and he has all these female followers. It's interesting how they like to have female followers. Then they got a dude here. I don't know what his problem is. But anyway, <laughs> they're following this false Messiah. But it's not only him. There's a whole list of them when you do a literature search on him. I just wrote down a couple names. There's a guy called Moses Hill Wannabe from South Africa. There's a guy named Vishiran from Siberia. All these want to carry the mantle of Messiah. But I want to tell you, folks, there will be a coming sham Messiah that comes into this world that will mesmerize the world, swoon. People will swoon over him, and you know who he's going to be. He's going to be the Antichrist. When you think of anti, think of instead of or in the replace of the real Messiah. 2 Thessalonians tells us about this charlatan. Now, you're going to see the verses come up here in just a second. Why he comes to power, the restrainer will be removed. That's the rapture of the church. For him to come to power, the church has to be gone, 2 Thessalonians 2, 7. And how he comes to power is through the working of Satan. Now, you have the scripture up there, and I want to read this to you. I want to emphasize a couple of points. So please, watch the board. Verse 9, the coming of the lawless one. This is the Antichrist. This is a person that's really coming, and he will come at a time when there's mass turmoil in the world, and he will have all the answers, and people will just welcome him with open arms. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, the energia of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. This guy is going to do miracles that are going to blow people's minds. And all unrighteous deception, a calling card of Satan, among those who perish. Now, why do they perish? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. That's why they perish. That's why they buy into the lies of the Antichrist. And for this reason, because they've rejected the truth, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That lie is that the Antichrist is the Christ, okay? That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth and had pleasure in unrighteousness. Folks, there is a spirit of delusion that is penetrating our world today that's in preparation for this person coming on the scene. Now, I'm hoping and I'm believing in a pre-tribulation rapture, but folks, this guy might be identifiable before we're raptured. We should have eyes to see and ears to hear what's going on in the world around us. 
And we may be able to have at least a clue who this person has, that has all the answers. And by the way, some people say Obama is the Antichrist. It's, it, Trump is the Antichrist. Every monkey's uncle is the Antichrist. Folks, these people don't have answers to the world problems. This guy will. He will come in the power of Satan with all lying signs and wonders and deception. He's going to come. He's going to mesmerize the world. Now, in verse 3 through 9, Jesus turns the table on these legalists. On these legalists. Verse 3 through 9. We read this. He answered and said to them when they questioned, when they questioned him. I love Jesus. He knows exactly how to approach people. He knows exactly how to answer their questions. He answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? See, what they were mentioning had nothing to do with what was written in the law of Moses. Nothing to do with it. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But these guys are twisting things. They're doing something here that the word is called Corban. I didn't write it on the board. C-O-R-B-A-N. And what that means is that they are doing offerings to God instead of taking care of their parents, thinking they're honoring God. And Jesus is hitting them right between the eyes with the commandment that we have is to take care of our parents, to honor your father and your mother, and your days shall be long numbered upon the face of the earth. They were giving to the work of God in the temple, which was then gratifying themselves. See, they're giving money to, to the thing that gratified them, that, that supported them. So whoever says, but, but I say to you, whoever says to a father or mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. That's the Corban. Then, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Now watch how gentle Jesus is with these guys. He says to him right between the peepers, these words, hypocrites, hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain, they worship me, teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men, their traditions of men, not God, the traditions of men, not God. Now, remember the Pharisees, they're powerful, they're in control, and when people see this entourage coming in, there's an element of fear that comes over them, not with Jesus. He confronts them face to face, and he tells them the truth. The hyper-religious legalists break the law to keep their tradition. By the way, there were 613 laws that these guys tried to legislate on the population. These people couldn't do anything without breaking some sort of law and having them come down heavy on the population. They were always burdened down with the law. And those 613 laws, it's hard to find where they really got all these 613 laws. The purpose of the law, folks, was this, was to point us to Christ. Galatians 3.24 says this, Therefore the law was our tutor, our schoolmaster, to bring us to Christ that we might be justified, declared righteous by faith through Jesus alone. It's not by works. It's not by the law. Remember, the law is perfect. We are not. We cannot keep the law. All of us are lawbreakers. All of us are lawbreakers a lot. Okay? Remember that. Please remember that. 
And no one can perfectly obey all the law. Jesus was the only exception. James adds this in James 2.10. If you break one of the commandments, you've broken all of them. Now, you can, be, you can be a commandment keeper all you want. You can try and strain to keep them all. But if you break one, it's the same as breaking all ten, and you are guilty before God. Guilty. Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of all. Trying to keep the law to be righteous, folks, is impossible. Impossible. Cannot be done. Now, thankfully, we're living in the age of grace. Remember, by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any should boast. So Jesus' perfect life of keeping the law perfectly, when he died on the cross, that perfection is credited to each person, and you are justified when you believe in Jesus, declared righteous in the eyes of a holy God, God now sees you as he sees his son. Isn't it amazing? I mean, Jesus sees me as, as, as he sees Jesus. Now, God knows what I think. I'll tell you, that blood sacrifice that has been applied to us is an amazing thing. It takes our sins away, casts them as far as the east is from the west. I mean, that's an astounding thing that God looks at us like he looks at his righteous holy son. That is astounding to me. Now think about this. He does, Jesus does not hold back talking to these legalists. He cries out, and you, do you think Jesus said this, hypocrite? I bet he just said, hypocrites, hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? It's a mask wear, it's a phony. And then he quotes Isaiah 29, 13. These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. In vain, vain, uselessly, they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. Arnold Fruchtenbaum has a word for people that use lip service and mouth service for God. He calls it God talk and Jesus speak. People learn the vernacular, but their lives are not matching their speak. Their walk does not match their talk. The legalist goal is all about looks, to look religious, and to look spiritual. Now, you know that God is all about the boom, 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 your heart, your heart, your inner person. Real worship, folks, is our heart to God's heart, our spirit to God's spirit. That is what real worship is. Now, it's between the person and God. Now, there are extremes that happen in worship. I've been to places where, I, you may have too, where all of a sudden someone will start running from the corner, and they're always running across the front of the stage, thinking they're worshiping God. Why aren't they running in the back where nobody can see them? And then they have a flag, a flag that's waving. It's like here comes Rin Tin Tin in the, in the regiment. I mean, boom, boom, boom. And, they, and it's all in the front. It's all for show. If you want to wave your flag, do it in the parking lot, do it in the foyer. But no, they want to be right in front to be noticed. Right in front to be noticed. Folks, be careful when you worship not to steal the glory, not to focus the attention on you. Now, I also want you to think about this. Your tradition 
your church tradition will affect your comfort with worship styles. Worship styles. If you go to high church, meaning an Episcopal church or a Presbyterian church or a Lutheran church or that sort of thing, there's no raising of hands. Doesn't mean they can't worship God. It's a matter of the heart. It's not the external. See, we're, we're like Italians. We're all, you know, we're very much movie and groovy. But when you're in those churches, if somebody does this, flaps their hands to the music, you're standing out. You may become a distraction. And I have this picture here that I thought was kind of cool. Official worship signals. Now, we have <laughs> different, I mean, we fit in. Oh, there he is again. Yes. Uh, elbow flap, carry the TV, go big screen, big fish, and you, you see the whole thing. And he, he goes from rookie to intermediate to pro. And then finally, the village people and Rocky and touchdown and that sort of thing. Hey, your worship, what you do is between you and God, but be sure you're appropriate in the environment that you're in. If I'm going to a church that's very conservative, I'm going to be considerate of the people around me, and I'm not going to just go right into boom, because where is the focus in that church going to be on? That's going to be on me. So I want to be careful not to steal the glory. Now, it doesn't now if I start going to a church that isn't, doesn't have a custom, and, I'm, and I feel like I need to worship God, I might start with the flap. See how that goes. And then I might start with a little of this, and then a little of this, and see how that goes. But I don't want to be a distraction to people around me. So anyway, that's the message. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. Now, 10 through 11, Jesus exposes the legalist. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. So a person is not defiled by what you eat or what you drink or what you touch with your hands. Folks, it's not the external, it's the internal. It's not the external, it's the internal. That word defile means this, to make unholy, unclean, polluted. It's not about external rules and regulations. It's about being right with God. It's a heart issue, a heart issue. The hyper-religious thought they were clean because they kept their traditions. Now, if you remember in Matthew chapter 6, what the Pharisees did when they gave their alms. Remember that? They wanted to give their alms and make sure everybody saw what they were giving because they wanted the glory, didn't they? How about their prayers? They made these big, great prayers so that everybody would see how religious they were. And Jesus knows exactly the heart of each person. He knows hypocrites when he sees one. Power-hungry Pharisees, folks, are all over the place. They're all over the place. They're in churches for sure. That is where we most associate Pharisees, within churches, the religious environment. When you're thinking about Pharisees, remember, they want to control. They want power. They want recognition. So, you know, we see that in government. We see this in university professors who, who influence young people and that sort of thing. We certainly see this in billionaire world changers that are going for a global government, Pharisee-type thing, power and control and influence. Jesus teaches us something here, how to deal with Pharisees. And you know what he does? Speak the truth to dispel the lie. Phony, the fakers are offended by the truth. 
There's some things that you just have to realize as a Christian. You must settle this in your mind. So settle it. Settle it. You will never be popular speaking the truth in a culture that's running from God. You will not be popular. You must settle it. You will offend people by speaking Jesus' truth. You will do that. Even if you're gentle, even if you're just as pleasant as you can possibly be, you will be called names, bigot, intolerant, unloving by speaking the Jesus truth. You may even be persecuted, and you may even be persecuted by your own family. There will be hatred from your own household. Folks, this is happening today as those who are believers in the Lord Jesus are being divided from those in the closest units that we have, our family. Our family. It's happening right in our family. Now, we, when we have to, when we realize what's going on around us, this is not cheery to think about. But remember, it will always cost you to follow Jesus. And Jesus made a statement that was very clear that there would be dissension right within the family unit. You know, father against daughter, daughter against, that, that whole thing in, in Matthew. David said something interesting. He was told to purchase the altar on the, on the floor of, from a guy named Aruna. And this is where the temple would be built. And Aruna wants to give it to David, King David, for nothing. And David makes this statement, which I think should resonate in each one of us. David says this, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God from that which cost me nothing. It will always cost you to serve God. It could cost relationships. When people get saved, those old relationships start to peel off. You're not so much fun anymore. You became a Jesus freak. And those relationships start to drop right off, drop right off. It's an amazing thing. When de dealing with the Pharisee, be straight and to the point, straight and to the point. Jesus said this, those who follow the blind leaders will end up in the ditch. Folks, if someone will not, and he says, don't, don't listen to them. They are blind leaders of the blind, leading them. Both will fall in the ditch. He said to them, let them alone. Let them alone. We are told earlier in the book of Matthew not to throw our pearls before the swine. We are said not to give what is holy to the dogs, the snarling dogs that want to bite you. So you have to be very discerning when to share, how much to share, know when to back off, but always be ready to return at a more opportune time as the Spirit is working in someone's life. Never, ever give up. Never give up. Now, I want you to think about this point. The vast majority of people think they're okay with their tradition, with the way they view their lives. They're okay. I'm good, and I've, you've heard this a bunch of times, don't bother me with your truth, because I have my truth. Pharisees and their followers have a common destiny, folks. They fall into the ditch, the blind leading the blind. Be very, very careful where you're getting your information. We have a whole world that is inputting into us, again, for the umpteenth time, information that is not true. You must have a well-developed filter and be very careful who you're listening to for the truth. Useless information is bombarding you 
24-7, and it comes from individual traditions, newscaster traditions, politi political traditions, not necessarily the truth. So be very careful. Even in ministries, be very careful for who you're listening to. The truth is what you want. 15 through 20, the legalist heart is revealed. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Now, you, you don't have to wait one second before you realize that Peter's going to be the one to open his mouth. You know, uh, well, I'll share this in just a second. I want you to think about something. What comes out of your mouth reveals your heart. Now, folks, that's scary to me. Because a lot of things I say are really showing what's really inside of me. And I become a, a billboard for who I really am in my depraved state. Be very careful what you say. Guard your heart and guard your tongue. And listen to this statement. You do not, must not, speak all that you are thinking about. You don't have to regurgitate all of your feelings on the world around you just because I have to get it off my chest. I just need to share this information to get it off my chest. No, you don't. You know who does that? A fool does that. That's a flesh move. How do I know a fool does that? Proverbs 29, 11. A fool vents all of his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. Folks, there's a time to speak, and there's a time to be silent. There is a time to confront, but there is a time to back off. You must be discerning. Now, the awful things that are mentioned in that text that are a product, are a product of our fallen flesh starts with an evil thought. Now, look at this list here. Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. That's a, that's a list that comes from within the person. doesn't say anything about the devil put them there. Okay, this comes from inside the human depraved heart. That's where it comes from, and it starts with an evil thought. Now, remember, Satan can plant thoughts in your mind. He can do that, but it's up to you not to entertain the thoughts. You are to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. There's lots of things that my flesh wants to do. And, folks, you have the Spirit of God resident within you. You have a conscience, and you know what is right and what is wrong because you are a Christian. You have an advantage over the world. You can sense it within your being that this is wrong. Now, we have evil thought sources. You know what they are. It comes up here on the screen. You've seen this umpteen times. The world, the flesh, and the devil. They do impact us. They do impact us. But, folks, the evil is within us already. We already have a proclivity in our fleshly nature to be drawn to the evil, to be drawn to the dark side. It happens with every human being. Every human being. And Every sin, now th listen to this very carefully. If you checked out any other time, this is time to check in. Every single sin starts with a thought. He starts here with evil thoughts, and then he progresses from there. Evil thoughts. Evil thoughts start in me. Murders, adulteries, fornications. The thought is coming from me. Thefts, false witness, blasphemies, me. It's all me. That's where it comes from. Now, it doesn't say that it came from the devil. And, and folks, you can't blame your mama. You can't blame your papa. You can't blame your friends. 
You can't blame the church. You can't blame the, the school system that you were raised in. You can't blame the coach because you got cut or you don't play for your bad attitude. No, you have to own your own stuff. It's me. It's me. Now, Satan cannot make you do anything, but folks, he wants to deceive you. He's in the battle, causing you, exacerbating your flesh and say, go for it. Now, whenever you hear these words coming into your mind, you deserve this. You owe it to yourself. Take a hard stop. Take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Because that's likely not coming from a good source. No matter our level of spiritual maturity, folks, we still deal with the flesh problem. Our fallen nature will not be harnessed, folks, until we are in heaven glorified. And again, don't be too hard on yourself. It's direction, not perfection. It's a process of growth. It's a process of heeding the Spirit and saying no to the flesh. It's direction, not perfection. Every believer, folks, has a gift from God. Every believer has the Holy Spirit resident within them. You have the Holy Spirit, the power, the power to live out the Christian life. You do. Every believer, when faced with a me moment, oh, it's all about me, and buddy, it happens to every one of us. Every one of us goes down this road. The me moment can make a faith choice and not a flesh choice. You can. Don't ever say you can't. Oh, it's too tense. It's, a, it's such a temptation. I, I think I'll just experience this and suffer the consequences and Jesus will forgive me. Well, you'll be forgiven. But get ready for the thrashing of your life. It's, gonna, it's not going to be good for you to go down that road. The power is in you. Do make a faith choice because you can. So the next time you're faced with a me choice, a flesh choice, tell yourself, no, I'm going to make a faith choice. I'm going to do what Jesus says. I'm going to do what the scriptures has told me to do because I know that will ultimately end up for my best. Sin is fun or we wouldn't do it. People aren't drinking alcohol, snorting coke, sleeping around because it's not fun. Those things are fun for a moment, but they always, always, always has a, have a cost that exceeds that momentary fun. Always. Remember, you reap later and you reap greater than what you sow. That's just the truth. Now, I want you to think about this. The more times you take captive a thought and make it obedient to Christ, the more successes that you have, the easier it gets to deal with the big me in life. I must become less and Jesus must become greater in me. And the more I'm obedient to him, the easier it is. Some closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. Now, I don't know about you. I can be a legalist. Maybe you can be a legalist. How to become a legalist? I have a little overhead here for you. Somebody wrote this. Make rules outside the Bible. Hmm, that sounds like things that people do. Push yourself to try to keep your rules. Really strain hard. Castigate yourself when you don't keep your rules. Become proud. 
Oh, this, we don't have to worry about this. this. This happens in just about a millisecond. Pride just ekes out of us. Become proud when you do keep your rules. Appoint yourself, this is a big one, as judge over other people. Remember, everything in Scripture talks about us judging ourselves, to examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. Now, we are to make judgments on, on people when they're going off the rails and that sort of thing, but be very careful you don't have the plank in your own eye before you make a judgment on somebody else. And get angry with people who break your rules, that's a big one, or have, a di or have different rules, and by all means, beat the losers. Just, just, just pounce on them, make sure you're heavy on them. That's a legalist. Now, legalists come to church. You know that. You know that. You've probably been in a legalistic church. I mean, we were in churches where the women couldn't wear pants. So they're playing softball in these dresses that are down to their ankles so they don't expose anything. They can hardly run, tripping over their, I mean, come on, give me a break. You can't play cards because there's face cards, but we can play with not face cards. That's legalism. You're making things up as you go. This happens, it can come to church, but it's also in your work. Legalist. It's on your team. It's in your workplace. It's in your schools. Jesus exposed the traditions of the Pharisees, and he called them something. Hypocrites, mask wearers, performers, theater. You've heard this before. Dr. Fauci, you're doing this for theater. Dr. Fauci, you're wearing these masks for theater. Now, I want to ask you a question. Now, who's the hypocrites? I would say both of them are performing. Both of them have theater. Both of them are trying to influence other people with their opinions. Now, of course, I have a side that I would take, but both of them are doing this. I want to say something that might rub you a little bit wrong. Folks, we are all guilty of being performers, mask wearers, hypocrites. I don't know if you're uncomfortable or not, but I think that's the truth. And if you ever wondered what a hypocrite looks like, I've said this before, all you have to do is shave every day. And you're seeing a hypocrite right in your face. So many people blame the church. Now, you ever heard this one? I'm not going to that church because that church is full of hypocrites. Hypocrites. Now, how do we answer that question? We don't say, no, there's not hypocrites here. That would be a lie, wouldn't it? That would be a lie. <laughs> so we say, yes, yes, good observation. There's hypocrites all over the place, and they are in this church. But guess what? We are hypocrites in recovery. You too can be in recovery. You can join us. Yes. Jesus revealed the problem in his day that permeates our nation today. So many make-believers speak like believers. Know the jargon. Know the Christian lingo. But do not live like believers. Do not act like believers. He said in verse 8, quoting Isaiah 29, 13, These people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Again, their walk does not match their talk. Folks, if you're going to be a Christian, it's incumbent upon you to live out your faith. Folks, if you, when you come in contact with people and, they say, and you say that you're a Christian, and then you compromise your faith, what do they think about your God? What do they think about your Jesus? What do they think about your faith? It's nothing. 
You're just like everybody else in the world. You're a hypocrite liar. Your faith is meaningless. God talk and Jesus speak does not make for a believer, folks. Saying one is a believer does not mean that somebody is a believer. Jesus is big into this. He's big into you will know them by their fruits, Matthew 7, 20. Now, this is in the context of false teachers, but also those following the false teachers buying into their rhetoric. And then to the fruitless, Jesus says this, depart from me, I never knew you. That's in 723. Those are devastating words. Just prior to that, these people are making an argument to, argument to Jesus. We've prophesied in your name, Jesus. We've cast out demons in your name, Jesus. We've done many wonderful works in your name, Jesus. Look at us, how great we are. And Jesus looks straight at him and says, depart from me. I never knew you. You who practice lawlessness. I don't know you. I don't know you. Now, I have a question, a little introspection here. What has happened to us collectively? What has happened to us? What has happened in the land? Where is holiness in the church? Where is come out and be separate in the church? Do you know that when you were saved, you became something significant to God? You became sacred space, sacred space, a place where God dwelled. When Abraham walked through Israel in Genesis chapter 12, any place his foot touched was there claimed by God. It was sacred space. When you get baptized and we say buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, you know what we're doing? We're making it. We're telling the whole world that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every human being is hearing this. But you know who else is hearing it? The false gods in the culture. The Baals, the Astras, the Molechs that we talked about last time. They are hearing, I am declaring my loyalty to God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am loyal to him. I am sacred space. And now the Spirit of God dwells in each believer. You are the temple of the Spirit of the living God. And you've heard this before. That temple is nous, N-O-U-S. And that means the holy of holies. God dwells in you and considers you sacred space. Hands off, Satan, unless you put yourself out there to expose. You are protected by the living God if you walk in concert with God. Very important concept. Now, 1 Timothy describes, well, the next question I was going to ask is, what has happened to us? What has happened in America? What has happened in America? Last week, we talked about return of the gods. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 tells us specifically what's going on. It'll come up on the screen. Watch this closely. Now, the Spirit this is Paul speaking to Timothy. The Word of God is speaking to us today. The Spirit expressly says, when he says expressly says, this will happen. This is a fait complete. That in latter times, you would admit we're in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to 
deceiving spirits. Let that word sink into your mind. Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Folks, deceiving spirits are here in droves now. Deceiving spirits have been welcomed in, and you're going to be ready for your video here in just a second. I have a 50-second video that's going to come up. In this video, you're going to see a pastor, a religious person with children sitting there, and a transgender, transvestite man dressed up as a woman talking. Now watch this video and think deceiving spirits are they here? And when would this have been accepted at any other time in history, in this country? Now, watch the video. Have any questions for Ms. Pentecost? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you like her eyeshadow. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she'll let you borrow it when you're older, like when you're allowed to wear makeup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we, we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world, uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to, to change into something new. Uh, and to not be bound by the ways that the world confines us sometimes, that, that we're supposed to live differently. Okay, keep that picture there for just a second. Now take a hard stop. Now he's using Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be squeezed into the world's mode. What is happening here? This is the world's mode. But look at the casualty. Look at the casualty. These children, they are seeing that this is okay and hearing it from an authority figure that is affirming that this is okay. Folks, this is deceiving spirits that have come into our world and now are welcomed into our world. And if we stand against this, we're intolerant, we're bigots, we're ignorant, that sort of thing. That's what you're dealing with. That's what we have to speak the truth about. So let's go on. It gets worse in latter times. The apostasy, we have the return of the gods, the zeitgeist spirit you've just seen came into the land. Now, how do deceiving spirits look? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 is going to come up on the board. Now, watch this. But know this, in the last days, here we go again, the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves. Now, people have always had self-love. But this gets worse and worse, self-absorbed people as we get closer to the end. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. This is, this is a relatively new thing in our country. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual. I have a belief. I have a belief. But denying its power, and he says unequivocally, through the Holy Spirit, Paul writes, and from such people turn away. Don't get trapped in this. That is what is happening. Deceiving spirits are in the land. 
Now, the deceiving spirits, we know how this, uh, how this appears to God. Jeremiah, the prophet, in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30 through 31, when the deceiving spirit started in the nation of Israel, and Israel's going into captivity, what God finds astonishing, this is how we should feel when we see a video like I just showed. Just unbelievable that that has been accepted in our country. But the Jeremiah the prophet says this, by the way, he wasn't well-liked. They threw him into a pit. He ended up in a prison, okay? He had a lot of misery. False prophets were prophesying, everything's going to be great and wonderful, king. But the true prophet came and told them the truth. People don't want to hear the truth, even though they're perishing. They don't want to hear the truth. Now watch this. An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely. The priests rule by their own power. And the most horrific thing is my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? That is Jeremiah the prophet. And no one converted in the nation of Israel. There's no record of anybody turning. But all followed the false prophets of the land. The good word that was going out. You're comfortable, you're wonderful, your best life now. It's terrific, it's great, it's wonderful. No, no. Deceiving spirits, folks, are in our churches, in our government, universities. Deceiving spirits are in our high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, and folks, it's entered the nursery schools. It's in our libraries with transgender children's hour. It's in our families. Our families are fractured by deceiving spirits telling our children the most intimate in our unit, in our unit that we have on earth, that a lifestyle contrary to God is okay. Deceiving spirits, influencing families. We're influencing the movers and shakers of this world. A key point is this. Hear this, men and women of God. Men and women of God, you have been placed here just like Queen Esther for such a time as this. You are truth speakers. Men and women of God who face the tyranny will not be silenced. God shows us how to live in these times. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Let this resonate in your hearts as you know how to live in this epoch of time. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. And it is. Deceiving and being deceived. But you, Timothy, but you, church, continue, must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. You have learned them from the Apostle Paul. You've learned them from John. You've learned them from Matthew and Luke. You've learned them from Jesus. You've learned the things to do. This is how we are to live. You must continue in the things which you have learned. Folks, we are living in a bad time. We are the people of God. And you have Holy Spirit backbone steel to allow you to stand. We're living in a world of power trips and control. And I want to say this. You are not snowflakes. You are not snowflakes. If they call you names, run home to your journal and write down, Praise God, someone out there thought I was different than them. 
Praise God, I stood out as different in a good way. We are men and women of steel, folks. And, and you know this, Scripture tells you this. We are victors. We are overcomers. We are not victims. David, prior to his death, charged his son Solomon with the following. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. I was debating on whether to do this or not, and I think I'm going to do this. So I'm going to have you stand with me right now. And talks about be strong, folks, be strong. And I want you to read this with me. David to his son Solomon, be strong, Solomon, be strong. David says, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn. Folks, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Don't wilt under the pressure of being conformed to the patterns of this world. This is our time. This is our hour. This is, I sound like a politician. This is our <laughs> moment to stand for our God. It is. Folks, live not by lies. Live not by lies and stand for the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to study the word. And Lord, I pray that you have spoken to hearts today and hearts that have received the word today. Help us to know that we are strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. That we are going to put on the whole armor of God, that we can stand against the wiles, the schemes, the methods of the devil. Thank you that you've given us the spirit of God as our power source. And thank you that greater is he that is in me than he that is in that world system. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. We are the people of God. We are called by his name. We are washed in the blood. We have been delivered from shame. We are a holy people belonging to the Lord God Almighty. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.